0: This word's been in my spirit. I may preach more on this at camp meeting, but this word's been strong in my spirit. And you saw it in the title uh, God made it fail. You know what's an awesome thought? Is that God is not just uh, your father, but the Bible teaches that Jesus is the Lord or the commander of heaven's armies. That's what that. Lord of hosts means, if you've ever read that in the King James Version, uh, Lord of hosts, the hosts are the armies of heaven, the angelic armies of heaven, and Jesus is the commander of heaven's armies, and um, that we have, by the way, if you're just jumping on, take a minute to share it, but we have record in the Old Testament of Joshua meeting what I believe is a uh, An appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. And when Joshua uh, meets the commander of the Lord's armies, um, and one of the reasons that I do believe it's Jesus, by the way, when when Joshua meets him, is because when worship is attributed to that individual, that individual does not stop the worship and say, Don't worship me. You know, that's what happened with all angels in the Old Testament or the new. That when the angels would show up, they're so great and so magnificent looking, people would fall down and, and begin to worship them. But angels would say, do not worship us. You know, the, the attribution of worship goes to God alone. Don't worship us. Worship God alone. But this individual, when Joshua meets him, does not reject the worship, but receives the worship, showing that it's the only one who's worthy of worship. And the commander of of heaven's armies, who's been the word since the beginning, not only receives the worship, but uh, also lets him know, I am the commander of the Lord's armies. Well, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. And Jesus is fighting on your behalf. Heaven is fighting on your behalf. The battle is not your battle. But the battle is the Lord's. By the way, Draven, which camera am I supposed to be looking at? Tall or short? The short, okay. Let me make sure that everybody's like, why is he not looking at us today? Why is he like looking everywhere else but us? He's like very insecure today. Um, <clears throat> the battle's not your battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. In fact, that'd be a great thing to start the broadcast by putting in the comments. The battle belongs to the Lord. And it absolutely does. And... Um, I I had this word in my spirit that God made it fail. What am I talking about? Um, What the enemy has planned for your life. What the enemy has tried. In fact, there's people that are watching this right now that literally should be dead. The devil tried to kill you, tried to take your family out, tried to stop you from doing what you were called to do literally shouldn't be here today. I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people that should be dead today, but every attack that the devil planned to take you out, God made it fail. God fought your battle for you, protected you supernaturally, and God made that plan fail. And of course, this is something that we we quote all the time from the book of Isaiah. No weapon formed against you will be allowed to prosper. And I'm sure the devil's pl- formed plenty of weapons against you, but not one of them has been able to prosper. You're still here today alive and able to do what God has called you to do. Why? Because God made that attack and all the other attacks fail. And that's the way God works. And so this word has been in my spirit that uh <clears throat> That God's fighting on your behalf. And of course, as we know, Jesus, being the Lord of heaven's armies, is fighting with angelic forces. I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. And we're going to, uh, we're going to start there. But as you're turning to Hebrews chapter 1, I did want to read you that account of Joshua meeting the commander of the Lord's armies, and you see what I mean. (laughs) By the way, this is right before the fall of Jericho, which I believe is so uh, fitting. This is right before the fall of Jericho. And uh, this is Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13. And the Bible says, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him. With his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell to his feet, uh, to, fell on his face to the earth and worshiped him and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Notice, When he fell to his face to worship the commander of the Lord's armies, he didn't say, don't worship me, worship God alone. No, he received the worship and then said, the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua had an encounter with the, I would call it the pre-incarnate Christ, the word who existed. From the beginning, before being born of a virgin, this is an appearance of the Lord on the earth. And Joshua, (coughs) fittingly, understood this and had this encounter right before this next massive miracle. Hallelujah. That gets me excited, that before you have these miracles take place in your life, you have to have an encounter with the Lord. He's the one who does the miracles. He's the one who works wonders. Hallelujah. He's a wonder-working God. And Joshua has this encounter with the Lord of Heaven's armies. And it's right before the walls of Jericho fall flat. And I love that because when you look at the walls of Jericho in the story, they're so uh, magnificent. They looked like they could never be breached. You know, it's an impossible-looking situation. Although the Lord's given them a word, in the natural, it's an impossible-looking situation. Historical record tells us that these walls were so big and were so wide that, as I've said before on the broadcast, you could have chariot races like NASCAR around the tops of the walls. Big, thick walls that looked impossible to breach but God said they're coming down. They're coming down. Well, that's because that what you couldn't do in your flesh, God does by the Spirit, because it's not by might, and it's not by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. It's not by might, and it's not by power, but it is by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so God does these things supernaturally. It's not done in your own strength. And one thing I think people make a mistake with is they're, they're working, like they need to bring it all to pass themselves. You're like, I've given it everything I've got." Of course, it's good to be faithful. Of course, it's good to be diligent, but it's not by your might or your power or mine. It's by His spirit. The, the battle we fight is fought in the spirit, the weapons. Of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. So, spiritual weapons can pull down strongholds. Spiritual weapons, you can't fight the devil with a gun or with a knife. You fight with the weapons that God has given us. You know that we have the sword of the Spirit, we have the shield of faith, we have the armor of God. We fight and are strong. In a supernatural sense. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so right before, now it looks like they've put their trust in uh, these walls. They've put their trust, you know, in what, what looks like their natural fortification. But that's nothing. If God said a city is falling, then a city's gonna fall. If God said a city is protected, then the city's gonna be protected. And uh, I want to show you that real quickly before we look at the fall of of Jericho. It reminds me of a psalm, Psalm 127, talking about the power of God and His presence. Psalm 127, listen to this. I'll start with verse 1. Psalm 127, 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it Labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. You see that? Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So the watchmen, the guards, they can walk the walls all night if they want to. They can be fully uh, um, armed with the best arms that you can uh, buy or have. And it wouldn't matter. Because if the Lord said the city is coming down, unless the Lord guards the city, unless the Lord protects the city, the city's coming down. If God said it's falling, it's falling. And so <clears throat> in, this, in this situation, God had given them a word that they're going to take Jericho. You're going to take Jericho. And, and it's a funny way. You know, we look at the way that they're going to do it. You know The Bible says in, in the first verse of Joshua 6, right after this encounter with the commander of the Lord's armies, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand hmm, with its king and mighty men of valor. Now, now stop right there. I've given you. It it starts by telling, isn't this interesting? It starts by saying, this city was shut up. Nobody was coming in. Nobody was going out. And this is a powerful fortified city, walls that look like they cannot be breached. And right after it says that, it was shut up. Nobody came in. Nobody went out. Then the Lord said, see, I've given you the city (laughs) with its king and mighty men of valor. That means it doesn't matter who's fighting on their side. doesn't matter who their leader is, who their ruler is. None of that matters. I've given you the city. And if God said the city's falling, it's going to fall. Verse 3, you shall march around the city. All the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you'll march around the city seven times. And the priests will blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the shout, or when you, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people will shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up and everyone straight before him. <clears throat> Notice that. So God didn't say, I want everybody to get a pickaxe. Everybody get a sledgehammer. And I want you to just start going off on that wall. No. It's not, a, it's not by your might, it's not by your power, it's by His Spirit, you know, the shout of God's people. Really, it's the obedience of God's people. It could have been anything. God could have said, and I want you to dance when you hear the sound of the trumpet. I want you to dance. Or He could have said, I want you to sing. Or He could have just said, I want you to all lift your hands. It doesn't matter what they did, it's just that God chose the shout. It was their obedience that brought the walls down. Their obedience brought the walls down. And and notice this. Though the city looked like it could not be taken through their obedience to God's word because God was against the city, the city was coming down. It's not our battle. The battle's the Lord's. So their plan was to use these walls to keep God out. (laughs) Their plan, Jericho's plan. Was to use these walls to keep God out. But God made it fail. God made the walls fail. God made their plan fail. And it doesn't matter what the devil has planned against you, God will make that plan and has in the past for many of you made that plan fail. Hallelujah. God made that plan fail. Well, the flip side is also true. Here's a city that they were trying to get in, and the people didn't want them coming in. So this is not a city God was guarding. This is a city God was against. And that's, that brings that thought to your mind of Psalm 127. Unless the Lord is guarding the city, the watchmen walk the walls in vain. Which means it doesn't matter. You can have as many people, or, or as Joshua 6 calls them, men, mighty men of valor. The city of Jericho was filled with mighty men of valor. It didn't matter. They had a king. It didn't matter. God was against the city. And the watchmen were walking the walls. And the guards, the mighty men of valor, everybody's armed and everybody's in their, in their uh, you know, armor and ready to go. It didn't matter. God was against the city. And if God's against the city, it's coming down. It's coming down. God will make that plan fail and bring about His plan. So? God was against that city, but God was for another city. Go to 2 Kings chapter 19, and here I want you to see this, because here's the flip side of it. This is the flip side of it, which is so, so powerful. Here's God's people in the city of Judah, and uh, the southern section of Israel, split off from Israel, Judah. Hezekiah, who is the king over Judah, has a problem because now you've got a wicked king that wants to come and destroy God's people, destroy God's plan, right? And this is the same type of stuff that's happening today. Sennacherib, who is the evil king, has an anti God spirit. This evil king has an anti-God, which translates in the New Testament, to an anti-Christ spirit against God's people, against God's plan, against God's agenda. And that's what Hezekiah and the people of Judah were coming up against, an anti-God spirit. But God was about to make the plan fail. Hallelujah. God will make those plans fail. Let me tell you, people are dealing with that today. Churches are dealing with that today. The people of God around the world are dealing with an anti-God, anti-Christ spirit that's trying to push back at the plans of God, at the people of God, trying to keep us from doing what we're called to do. But I'm telling you, the same God that made these plans fail is the same God who will make those plans fail. Because Jesus is the one who said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Will not. Will not prevail against it. So is there an anti-God agenda in the world? You better believe it. Is there an anti-Christ spirit working in the world? Has been for thousands of years. It was written about by the Apostle John uh, in, in 1 John. His, the, the letter here before we get to Jude and Revelation, 1 John chapter 4 the spirits of Antichrist that are in the world today. And we're back then. And trying to stand against what God's people are doing, what they're standing for, the agenda of heaven on the earth. But that's why John wrote, but you are of God, little children. You're not of them. You're not of an Antichrist spirit. In fact, every person that's watching, I want you to put it in the comments, I am of God. I am of God. That is a reason to shout, I am of God. Hallelujah. You're from God. You're of God. And then he goes on in 1 John 4. Now, you are of God, little children, and have already overcome them, spirits of Antichrist. Why? For greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Praise God. Whoo, hallelujah. That will make you shout. You are of God, little children, and have already overcome them. For greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. So God's making these plans fail. Making these plans fail. The Antichrist agenda. I'm sure they wanted to, you know, wrangle us up over these last two years. I'm sure the Antichrist spirit wanted that Antichrist one-world agenda to just go into, go into uh, play, go into action after these last two years. And God made it fail. God made it fail. Here we are. They couldn't shut us down. They couldn't stop us. We're still here. We're still preaching. I mean, you look at church now, where there's true churches that are preaching the gospel that are truly open to the move of the Spirit. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but I prophesied this in November of 2019, and I'm not a prophet. I'm an evangelist. But the Lord came upon me in the service in this church, this sanctuary that I'm sitting in, and had me prophesy in November of 2019. And we've played it on the broadcast. But I prophesied and said, get ready, in 2020, you're going to see a great separation in the church and you'll see those and and I and the Lord had me say those that built these ministries that were built and people thought my spirit was upon them and that my spirit was in them and I was never in them says the Lord they will come crashing down crashing down and people you've never heard of ministries that nobody's ever heard of that I was in that were not built on the flesh that were not built in carnality that were built on the spirit of God I will raise them up I will raise them up what have we seen happening over these last two years. We've seen large ministries that everybody thought the Lord's Spirit was on them, that obviously were operating in pure carnality, came crashing down, came crashing down. And then other churches now that nobody's ever heard of are springing up, springing up, full of the Holy Ghost, you know, on fire, Ready for what God has to do. And not just, not just open. You know, that's that's the thing I always laugh. Like, well, we're open to the spirit of God moving, brother, if he wants to. And there's people that say that, but rather than just being open, it's not about being open. It's about seeking those things. We're pursuing the presence of God. We're not just, well, that's that's something that people say when like they don't want to seem like they're not Pentecostal or charismatic, but they also like don't, they don't necessarily want all the mess of God manifesting his presence in their services. They still want like a a clean-cut service where there's no, you know, there's nothing breaking out of the schedule, you know, that kind of a feel. Well, brother, we're open to the move of God. That's something that people say. But we're not just open to it. We're not just yielding to it. We're pursuing it. We want to see a move of God. We want to see a move of God take place in our churches. And so, uh, of course, we've got churches now springing up at like a supernatural rate, like a supernatural rate where where people are coming. why? People are hungry for a true move of God. People are tired of all this seeker sensitive nonsense, all this entertainment, all this crap. I was driving home from uh a place north of my house in Florida, and uh, we were coming back on the interstate, and i I shared this. I saw this billboard advertising this church on their website, so I went on. And I played their Sunday morning service on my phone as we're driving. I wasn't driving, I don't believe. Um, But maybe I was. And we're playing it. And I'm sitting here listening. And the dude, I had the service on for like 15 or 17 minutes from when the pastor got the microphone. Not from praise and worship. From when the pastor had the microphone. And I'm listening to him. And no lie, no mention of the Lord. No mention of Jesus. No mention of the Lord at all. And they started by opening the set, because I guess he was in a series, opening the set with a secular song. And he was mad that the people of the church weren't singing it loud enough. So he took the microphone and said, now I've told you before, when we sing this song, I want you to sing it out. I want you to sing it out. It was like a secular rock song. I want you guys to sing it out. You're not singing it out loud enough. And then took the mic after they... Apparently had sufficiently sang the secular song in his service, and took the microphone and then just started talking about uh, secular people. No mention of Jesus, no opening of the word of God, no going to a scripture. And then talked about, for the next 10 minutes, what uh, Freud's thoughts on love were, Sigmund Freud. what his thoughts on love were? And I'm like sitting here thinking to myself, "What in the world is going on that people think this is what? People want out of a church. This is what people want. Well, that's Bible prophecy, right? The Bible says in the last days there will be people, of course, their hearts are growing cold, they have itching ears, and they will accumulate to themselves teachers who will just teach them what they want to hear versus what the Bible actually says. And there's no focus on Christ, there's no focus on the law. It's like it's like a social club. It blew my mind. I, I got so sick I had to turn it off. I was like, this is insane. This is literally insane. And, and we see that, but listen, there are churches blowing up around this nation and in other nations that are not compromising. And I mean are packed out, packed out with people that are hungry. You know, it's sad that this happens because you don't want to see any church that once used to be on fire lose their fire. But there are churches that have lost their fire. They've lost the move of the Holy Spirit. They've lost their hunger, all of those things. You hate to see it, but it does happen. And I'm seeing people leave these churches in mass, leave these dead churches in mass, and then are coming to, to these other churches, <clears throat> packing them out, packing them out. Why? Because people are hungry. We're in a moment of time right now where people are hungry for a mighty move of God. And the devil's not going to shut down the true move of God. The devil has no authority over the move of God. He has no authority over the power of God. He has no power. Jesus stripped him of his power. All, Jesus said, All power is given unto me. All. A L L. And he said, I give unto you authority over all the power of the devil, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. All authority, all power is given unto Jesus. And so it's important to understand the devil's not going to cancel the church, the devil can't cancel. The power of God. I don't care how dark it looks in the world. I don't care how much is going on around the world. The devil can never cancel the power and the move of God. In fact, I want you to put that in the comments. The devil can't cancel the power of God. The devil can't cancel the church. Amen. That's right, Bonnie. There are churches on fire that will not be stopped, that will not be shut up, that will not be shut down. (sighs) Hallelujah. And so God's doing a work where God will make these plans fail. God will make these plans fail. And it doesn't matter what the devil has planned over your life. God will make these plans fail by the power of his spirit. Hallelujah. And so here we are looking at this story. uh, It's the flip side of the coin. The coin. Now, here's a city that God's fighting for, not against, in 2 Kings 19. This is a city God's fighting for, not fighting against. And you've got this king who comes in with an anti-God spirit. So much so that he starts to mock God. You know, it's one thing, it's dumb to mock God verbally. It's a whole different level of dumb to mock God in writing. (laughs) It's dumb to mock God verbally. It's a whole different level of dumb to mock God in writing. I always think about these guys that like write books and podcasts and all this other stuff making fun of the Holy Spirit, making fun of the move of God, making fun of Pentecost. It's dumb to speak against God verbally. It's another level of dumb To write. Put that in writing. Which is what this king did. It's what this king did. He actually wrote letters, threatening letters, and sent them in with a courier to King Hezekiah inside the city of Judah. Letters mocking God as though he were nothing. As though he were like any other false god. And I want to read this to you because... (coughs) It makes me laugh how dumb uh, this guy is. And um, this, can, this king, Sennacherib, defies the Lord. And I want to read it to you because it's, he's so dumb to stand against God. But well, listen to this. Sennacherib sends in a messenger to say this to the king, Hezekiah, of Judah. He said, this is what you'll say to king Hezekiah. Do not let your God, this is, by the way, 2 Kings 19, starting in verse 10. 2 Kings 19, 10. Do not let your God, in whom you trust, deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands, devoting them to destruction. And shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them, the nations that my fathers destroyed, Gozan and Haran, Rezeph, and the people of Eden who were at Telasar? Where is the king of Hamath? the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Sepharvim, the king of Hena, or the king of Eva. He's like mocking them. He's mocking them. Did their gods save them? They trusted in their gods too. Did their gods save them? Mocking God. And I love it, because Hezekiah takes that very letter (laughs) from the hand of the messengers, and not only does he read it, he immediately goes up to the house of the Lord and spreads it before the Lord. And he prays before the Lord and said, Lord, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. He's not mocking, you know, Hezekiah is making it plain. He's not mocking me. He's mocking you, Lord. He's not mocking me. He's not mocking Judah. He's mocking you, the Most High God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands, have cast their gods into the fire. For they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. Hallelujah. <laughs> and then a prophecy comes forth from one of God's prophets, saying, now let me read this to you, because, and again, put it in the comments, God is making every evil plan fail against your life, against His faithful people. Listen to this. This is verse 32 of 2 Kings 19. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria. Now, now God's speaking. Sennacherib had his time to speak. Hezekiah, you gave me your prayer. That was your time to speak. Amos, the, the prophet, you've spoken. Now let me speak. God said, he shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return. And he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord. For I, now here's the whole, (laughs) here's the whole crux of the matter. For I will defend this city to save it. For my own sake and for the sake of my servant, David, who? my God, that's something we need to look at real quick. For who? He said, for my sake, but also for the sake of my servant, David. Here's an interesting uh, little point for you to meditate on. When the Lord said this in 2 Kings 19, if my math is correct, David had been dead for 305 years. 305 years. So think about this, that David pleased the Lord so much with his life that God was still doing favors for David. Listen, David had so much favor stored up in his account from pleasing the Lord, for being a man after God's own heart, God had so much favor stored up in his heavenly account that 305 years later, after his death, God is still pouring favor out on the people of Israel, not just for God's sake, but for the sake of his servant, David, who's now been gone 305 years. And God's pouring it out. Why? Because you can store up favor, glory to God, for the next generation and the next generation. You think about it. My grandfather, who pastored for 62 years, that was really the first saved in our family. And God mightily used him, <clears throat> who made a pact with the Lord and said, if you'll keep my sons from, being, from going into the world, then I will serve you with my whole heart. And every one of his sons to this day is preaching the gospel. My father, Ted, and my uncles, Tim, Tiff, and Terry. All four of them, and then all of their children are not only serving the Lord but are in the ministry, preaching the gospel and doing work in the kingdom of God god didn 't just you think about that now we 're three now we 're going four generations because now our children are coming up, and our children are serving the Lord, and our children are, are, are doing work like I look at look at my daughter madeline she 's already helping me doing work with the ministry. We have young people. Under us, the fourth generation now, that are coming up that want to work in the ministry and do the work of the Lord. And I'm telling you, you look at what you can do in your family and literally change the trajectory of your family and the next generation's on because you can lay up, store up favor for your family. And I look at where I'm at today and where my family's at. And I'm now the third generation of Shuttlesworth that's been been in the ministry. But I look at all of the favor that's been stored up. Where I am today at 39 years old is a direct result. This is part of what I wrote about in the book that I released called Further Faster, how God uses the power of impartation to expedite the call and the purpose that's upon your life. And where I'm at today at 39 years old is a direct result of the favor of God that's been laid up before me. In my grandfather and grandmother, who's still alive, my grandmother's still alive, I was with her for dinner last night, Uh, my grandfather grandmother, my father, my mother, my uncles, their wives, and, and my family that have faithfully served the Lord. And it's all, look at that, stored up favor for people that generation after generation have been faithful to the living God. And he said, I'll do it for my sake and... For the sake of my servant David, who, Lord, we thank you. Stored up favor, and that night, God. See, God works quickly. <clears throat> That's the thing I want to get in your spirit, and I want you to put it in the comments. God works quickly. God works quickly. Thank you, Jesus. God works. Quickly. And again, it reminds me of a psalm, Psalm 147 and verse 15. What does the Bible say? He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. Hallelujah. His word runs swiftly. God works quickly. Amen. God works quickly on my behalf, on your behalf. The Bible says in verse 35 and that night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. (laughs) You imagine. When you've got that many soldiers surrounding your city, you might think there's going to be a huge standoff. There's going to be a war. Who knows how many months it will wage. Who knows how long we're going to have to be embroiled in this this battle. I don't know how long it's going to take before we're we're either liberated or overtaken. God said, now let me help you out. And that night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. One night, in one night, God took care of their problem. They went to bed, and by the time they woke up, God had already, already helped them. They went to bed and woke up, and God had already done the work, and done it without ever having to get off of his throne. He just sent a nameless angel. I've always preached this, that it's so amazing to me that this looked like such a big problem in the eyes of those that were facing it. But it was such a small problem to God that he didn't even have to send an archangel. He didn't have to send one of the, the, the top angels. He didn't have to send Gabriel. He didn't have to send Michael. He just, we just see, the, it's the angel of the Lord. We just see that the Lord just sent a nameless angel just one of the hosts, and boom, in one night. I love that he didn't even have to send a battalion of angels. Just sent an angel. And when they woke up in the morning, the Bible says, and when they rose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. (laughs) 185,000 corpses on the ground. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home and lived at Nineveh, and, listen to this, as he was worshipping in the house of Nisroch his god, Adrammelech and Sherazer his sons struck him down with the sword and escaped into the land of Ararat, and Esarhaddon his son reigned in his place. So here's the king that thought he was so great that he was greater than God, that mocked God. And the Lord said, no, he'll not have one. He'll not even step into this city. He'll not even shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mount. And by the same way he came is the way he'll return. And he'll he'll not come into this city, declares the Lord. I'll defend this city. I'll save it. And look at that. They didn't, this is powerful, man. They didn't even have to fight against this enemy. God sent others that were in his own family to fight against him. So think about that. What previously was against God's people turned and fought the thing that was against God's people. His own sons killed him and took him out. As he fled, the way he came, he went back and fled back into Nineveh, which was that major city there in Syria and his son struck him down. Why? Because the Lord was the one guarding the city. God made it fail. Hallelujah. God made it fail. God is the one who did the work. God is the one who released his power. Now I want you to see quickly before we pray. I want you to see this pattern, right? The pattern was, we see this attack. Just because you're a part of the body of Christ, does not mean you're exempt from attacks. The devil will still try to attack you. He'll still try to attack you. But it it also is the difference of how you respond to those attacks. We don't respond to the attacks of the devil the way that people who do not have a covenant with God respond to those attacks. And so... Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean the devil won't try to attack you. But when he attacks, look at what Hezekiah did. He immediately took this evil report, this bad report, this harassing letter, the the mocking letter toward God, and he began to pray. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. What did Paul say? After you've put on the whole armor of God, after you've taken up the shield of faith, After you've taken the sword of the Spirit in your hand, now pray with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Pray, Ephesians chapter 6, with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So prayer is part of the response of the weapons of our warfare. Prayer is a major part of our response. And Hezekiah did that very thing. He began to pray. He began to pray. And as he was praying, God heard his prayers. Notice the two things he did. He praised God, and he prayed. <clears throat> he praised God, and he prayed. He began to talk about the greatness of God. the good. You're the God. All the other gods are the works of men's hands, but you are the great God. You are the one <clears throat> who created heaven and earth. You are the most high God. Now, Lord, answer our prayers and let the whole earth know. That you alone are God. He's not only praying, he's praising. He's not only praying, he's praising. Paul and Silas are in jail. They've been attacked. They've been persecuted. They're being, uh, they've been taken. What did they do? They begin praying and praising. Praying and praising. And at midnight, they sang praises and they prayed unto God. Midnight. And at midnight, they prayed and sang praises unto God. And What did they do? They prayed and they praised. They prayed and they praised. They prayed and they praised. And what happened? God made it fail. They were in the most secure place that they could have been, the inner dungeon. So there's no way they're getting out of here. They're in the inner dungeon. And what happened? They prayed and they praised. And all of a sudden, there's an earthquake. God works quickly. There's an earthquake, and every door comes open, and every chain falls off. Hallelujah. What happened when Peter got taken in? And here's Peter in prison, most secure place they could keep him, in a cell between two guards. And in the night, when they're all sleeping, what happened? The church was praying. The church was praying. And all of a sudden, As the church is praying, God dispatches an angel, just like in 2 Kings 19. God dispatches an angel. And the angel walks right up into the jail. Door opens, and he has to strike Peter on the shoulder to wake him up. (laughs) I've preached before, you know that's a serious piece that you're sleeping in. When When you think, man, tomorrow I might be executed for my faith. You're so out cold, instead of being up Worried and rocking and praying in tongues. And no, he was just out cold, sleeping so hard. You know, you're sleeping hard when you try to hit the snooze button on an angel. And he's like smacking you on the shoulder. It's time to get up. You got where it's a jailbreak. And he thinks he's dreaming. He's up groggy, and the angels leading him out. And every door is opening of its own accord. Hallelujah. God God made that plan fail. God made that plan fail. God made that plan fail. Woo! Hallelujah. God made that plan fail. And though they thought they could hold him, and though they thought they could hold Paul and Silas, though they thought they could kill King Hezekiah and the people of Judah, no matter what the devil planned, God made it fail. God made it fail. Glory to God. God made it fail. Why? It's, it's like Paul said when he was... Uh, teaching the Romans in his letter, Romans chapter 8. And he's teaching about the love of Christ, teaching about the power of God that keeps us. keeps us. It's God's everlasting love. Listen to this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Praise God. If God is for us, tell me who can be against us. That's the whole point. God's the one fighting. God's fighting with you. He's right there making that thing work quickly. He sends his command to the earth. His word runs or flies, one translation says very swiftly. Glory to God. God moves quickly. You think about how quickly God turned it around for the Apostle Paul when their ship crashed and they landed on the island of Malta. They were on their way to Rome. Crashed. And they're on the island of Malta. Look at the end of Acts 28. Within a very short period of time. He goes from being a prisoner in chains. You know the story? They're trying to put a fire together. He's gathering sticks. A viper bites him on the hand. They thought, man, this dude is, is a sinner, a murderer. He'll not escape. God's not going to let him live. And he shook the creature in the fire suffered no harm. They're waiting for him to die. They saw nothing change and, man, he must be a god. And then you look at what all, what all happened. Now the neighborhood of that place where this is Acts twenty eight seven uh, of that place where it lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. So now he's he went from being a prisoner in chains on a ship headed for jail in Rome to now staying basically who this man who's the governor of the island, uh, the chief man of the island, staying in his home, eating at his table, eating his food. What happened? Well, his father was sick. So Paul laid hands on him, prayed, and and Jesus healed him. And, And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured, and they also honored us greatly. Look at that. Honored us with many honors, the Greek says. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. So all in a just short period of time, in a very short period of time, Really, it looks like from the text, literally about 36 hours, you're just a little bit longer than that. There's not 36 hours, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, three days. Three days. 72 hours, maybe a little longer, maybe 80 hours. They're shipwrecked. They go from nothing to having miracles, to having favor, to the point where everybody on the island began to bring honor and gifts and then supplied their ship with everything they needed. God turned it around that quickly. That quickly. <laughs> I'm telling you, God has a plan to bless you very quickly. And I, I want you to literally make that confession today in the comments. Say it out loud too. God has a plan to bless me very quickly. I want you to declare that by faith. God has a plan to bless me very quickly. Thank you, Jesus. God has a plan to bless me very quickly quickly. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And that's what I'm, I'm declaring that with you. God has a plan to bless me very quickly. I'm asking the Lord. We've been declaring it. This is our year to go where we've never gone, to do what we've never done, to have what we've never had. And that's that's what we're not only declaring, it's what we're going to see come to pass in Jesus' name. I'm talking to the faithful people of God, the dedicated ones, those that will not back up, those that will not uh, take their foot off the gas, but will be faithful to God and His Word. Those that will be diligent in obeying the Word of God. Get ready. God has a plan to bless you very quickly. Hallelujah. God has a plan to bless you very quickly. No question. No question. Now, I want to pray for those of you that are watching, those of you that are listening. I'm believing that this will be a supernatural week for you. This will be a week of turnaround for you. And whatever it was you were facing might feel like Hezekiah, you might feel like Paul and Silas, you might feel like Peter in prison. But I'm going to ask God that whatever this thing is that you're facing, it will not only turn very quickly, but you'll be blessed in spite of it very quickly. In Jesus' name, Father. We come to you in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus, and I ask you now by the power of your spirit that whatever issue your people are facing, battling, I don't care if it's physical, mental, I don't care if it's financial, relational, Lord, I pray for them today in Jesus' mighty name. I ask you to send your word, send your power, move swiftly in their lives. I take authority, Lord, over every attack of the enemy that has been launched against God's precious people, and I ask you, let this be a week of supernatural turnaround in Jesus' name. Whatever it was the devil thought he was going to use to stop what we were called to do, to try to destroy our lives, destroy our bodies, our minds, our peace, it will not come to pass. We thank you, Lord, that you're making it fail today in Jesus' name, making it fail today by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for that. We give you praise for that in Jesus' wonderful name. We love you, and we give you all the glory and all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen, hallelujah. I believe it, I believe it. If you receive it, throw some hands up in the comments section, throw some fire up. Somebody say amen wherever you're watching from. Glory to God. It's gonna be great, Britt. She said, I'm looking forward to these amazing services this week. Listen, let me challenge you today to sow a seed by faith. Or listen, if you've not partnered with this ministry yet, if you've not partnered with me and with Carolyn and Miracle Word team, I want to encourage you to partner. This is the greatest hour to be a Christian that there ever was. Jesus is coming very soon. Maybe you've never stood in partnership with us. Maybe you've never sown seed by faith. I want to encourage you to do that today. On the screen, you'll see all the different ways that you can sow seed. But I want to tell you, go to miracleword.com all of the ways to give her there. And uh, if you'd like to partner with us, click that partner button and stand with us today. Fill out that form, check out all we're doing, but make a point today. I'm not going to just believe that God's gonna change a generation. I'm not just gonna say God move in my generation. I'm gonna take active steps to be a part of the change that's taking place. When you pray with us, when you sow into this ministry and you give and you connect your finances to this ministry, You're an active part of what God's doing in the earth. And I want to say thank you. Those of you uh, that are sowing this month and partnering with us, for those of you that are sowing and partnering at $85 or more, we're sending you Dr. Cho's book, um, The Holy Spirit, My Senior Partner. If you're standing with us at $250 or more, we're going to send you as well as that book, um, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by Philip Keller. And then for those of you that are partnering or sowing $1,000 or more, We're also going to include the Net Study Bible with 60,000 translator's notes. This is our way of saying thank you to you in the month of April for being a part of what God's doing in this ministry. And uh, it's very exciting, all that the Lord's doing. I I often say this. If you would have told me two years ago, three years ago, all that God would be doing in this ministry now, it would have just blown my mind. I actually know that there's, there's a reason God doesn't show you everything ahead of time. Because our natural minds could not handle everything God has planned to do in our lives. And and we have to be led by faith. And uh, it blows my mind to see how much God has done so quickly. God opened up the television studio. He opened up television around the world in over 180 nations. He's opened up crusades and more people that we've touched than ever before through social media and broadcast. It's mind-blowing. Feeding the hungry around the world. God did that all so swiftly and there's more increase to come. I can't even wait to share with you all that God's about to do, but it's going to be supernatural. Also, uh, again, if you didn't get a chance to hear this before, we have a limited release, a brand new t-shirt, if you've not seen it, uh, called The Night is Coming. It's based on John chapter 9, and verse 4, where Jesus told his disciples, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is yet day, for the night is coming where no man can work. And so we released this limited edition t-shirt set uh, through the Last Gen Ministry. Uh, And a bunch of them are already gone because they offered them first on the Zoom call that they did. Preston and Alex did it live. But we have some left in the store. If you'd like to grab one, they're awesome. Uh, Go to shop.miracleword.com, check it out. And while they're there, you can still get one before they run out. But we're not re-releasing it. This is uh, just a very limited run. So grab one before you go. And then again, starting tomorrow night, West Virginia Camp Meeting, right here in uh, Worthington, West Virginia, Calvary Temple Assembly of God. And uh, I I cannot wait. It's going to be amazing. And so get all the details on our website. Join us in live services. If not, you can watch online, and uh, it's going to be an amazing week together. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. I love you so much, and uh, I'll see you again very soon. Have a blessed day.